You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Rapoff. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Bulldog Hour's third season. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and sitting next to me, my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to be here. Hard to believe this is our fifth episode of this season already. Um, you know, it goes really fast. And thinking back to like the previous seasons where, you know, when we first started this, you know, we just had a couple episodes throughout the whole year. We now had four up, in season one. Right, now we're up to five already in this season, so... Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's ch- kind of changed form a little bit, but it's exciting and uh, glad to be back. Much like season one, we made the unfortunate decisions <laughs> to schedule shows after losses, which isn't ideal, but, you know, we'll deal with it. And uh, hopefully you'll put up with us as we talk about the most recent Wilson game, as well as the game from two weeks ago. And we'll preview weeks four and five as the Bulldogs will kick off the Lancaster Lebanon League Section 1 portion of their schedule, seven in a row with LL1 teams, and Wilson is searching for their 10th consecutive league title, and they look to improve upon their amazing and legendary streak of LL Section 1 victories, which I believe stands right now at 64. Yeah, those are some ridiculous numbers you were throwing out there, you know, like 10th straight title and you know, number of league victories in, in the 60s, just kind of amazing, um, you know, and we're through that non-league schedule, which we will uh, kind of summarize in, in just a few minutes, and then it's on to the league schedule, you know, so it's kind of like, you know, you have those, this, for us, those three games at the beginning, um, and then, um, you know, it's on to the next seven, it's kind of like different subsets within the season. Uh, so, you know, kind of one part is behind them and, and a big part is still ahead. So, uh, uh, we'll, we'll look back a little bit and we'll also preview what's, what's to come. Looking, you know, back at stats like that, you know, we mentioned that searching for a 10th straight league title, uh, the next victory in the LL league will be their 65th straight. If it, if it should come this Friday night against Warwick. Those numbers are impressive. And looking over Coach Doms' tenure as head coach started in 2006, only one season has he lost more than two games. Uh, Now the Bulldogs have lost two games already in 2017. And unless they would run the entire table winning a state title, they're guaranteed to be uh, just the second team in his tenure to lose uh, at least three games. But that 2007 squad is an interesting comparison just because you know, they finished the regular season at 7-3. and three. Now, I know back then more teams made the playoffs. I believe it was, I believe that year it was 16. I don't think it was 8 like we're at now. So a 7-3 and three got them in the playoffs, and they actually pulled a few upsets. Yeah. And they honestly probably should have been 10-3 and three playing for a district championship. Uh, we, If you're familiar with the 2007 team, that squad lost in overtime to Harrisburg and very controversial ending to that game. I think it was the Harrisburg player was whistled down when he had fumbled and Wilson recovered. Now, obviously no guarantee that Wilson would have ended up winning, you know, scoring a touchdown, kicking the field goal, whatever. But Harrisburg, I believe continued that drive and kicked the game winning field goal. 
a drive they shouldn't even have the opportunity to do. Wilson should have had the ball and the opportunity to win it. Uh, but then we know that that squad had a lot of young players to come back in 2008 and uh, get oh so close to making it to the state title game in another controversial ending. Uh, one one that I believe we were at. Yeah, that that is a game. Well, that is its team and a season that'll stick with me for a long time. But that specific game, yeah, I uh, I I will vividly have Nightmares. pictures of that <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I was just sitting in the stands, you know, watching, uh, thinking to myself, um, don't say things inappropriate. Don't say things inappropriate. Don't like, yell you know, at the refs. It's, it's a high school football game, high school football game. And, and I did. I kept my cool, but I, I kept my cool outwardly. Inwardly, I was Screaming. like stunned that yeah. I, what I had just seen. But. I vividly remember where I was and what was happening. You were updating me, and I believe you actually called me when the game was over. I was actually driving back from Columbus, Ohio, not here, to West Lafayette, Indiana, in a whole, sh- whole spiel about uh, exchanging cars and having extra cars where we lived at the time. But I was driving by myself, sick, waiting for updates from you, because obviously I couldn't get a Pennsylvania High School radio broadcast in you know Western Ohio at this point. And I just remember you calling and just being furious and depressed all at the same yeah, time it was awful <laughs> yeah good times good yeah. times still and i know you know we put an asterisk near this because you know it's a little different for me uh having not lived here my whole life um and due to age and things that 2008 team is the best wilson team i i personally ever saw i'm not saying they're the greatest but like they were the best that i ever saw in, in my opinion i i know their record was matched just a few years ago. Um, and maybe it was some of like the, the newness to me in 2008. That's when I started teaching. So like I was around some of those kids, you know, but there was that whole idea was still new to me. So maybe that's some of it. Um, 2014 team was obviously incredible as well. That 2008 team was just unbelievable. <laughs> I wish I would have had the opportunity to see them more than the one game I did. I was there in Hershey for the demolition of Cumberland Valley when yeah. they went up, I think, 28 or 35 nothing, <sighs> And Cumberland Valley had eight turnovers. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a spectacular performance. I wish I would have been able to see more from that 2008 squad. But your praise is backed up by the coaches. If you remember two years yeah. ago when we interviewed the coaches prior to the 2015 season, we asked the question of Coach Wolver. You know what's one of the best defensive squads or, or teams that he's coached. He mentioned obviously some of the teams growing up in the seventies and eighties, right. uh, or ten actually teams he was a part of. But the two thousand eight team is the most recent team that he mentioned, just because of how smart and disciplined they were. Right. He said they could go over a scheme from five six weeks prior, having not run it in a month and a half, and they would know exactly how to do it. Yeah, and he. You know, the talk about how they used to just, they were coming up with stuff to put in, schemes to put in, just to keep them on their toes. Only because, like, they had they had done everything that they could work on with some of the things, you know, with the schemes. So, they were, like, coming up with stuff to put in that they knew, we're probably never going to run this, but we need to put something in to kind of keep these guys, you know, on the edge, keep them, you know, engaged here, Uh you know, it's just, that's a crazy scenario when you think that doesn't happen in high school sports. That doesn't happen in, in college sports. That doesn't happen in places where you just, you're coming up with stuff. So just kind of speaks to how special that team was. Again, not neglecting any other teams, um, especially for me, because it was, you know, a more narrow time frame than, than for some others. But, uh, that 2018 was, was pretty special. Um, 
you know, but, you know, kind of looking at, at some of those teams, you know, and some of the teams that have built some of these things that have gone on, you know, these numbers, you know, we, we find ourselves well into it. And now you have these teams that are trying to just build and expand. We're going to continue our look back only because a question that was posed to me early and often after the end of the game Friday night was when was the last time Wilson was one and two after three games. So I immediately started to research via max preps and attempted through the Wilson Football Tradition Club stats book, which is excellent. And if you're a member of the Tradition Club, make sure you stop by the stand during home games and pick up your free copy of that book. And if you're not a member of the club, I believe you can purchase them for $5. Definite must-have for Wilson football fans. But it didn't get me where I wanted to be. So I consulted the Red and Eagle archives to figure out when was the last time Wilson started 1-2. and two? And I think I nailed it down. I hope I'm right. I hope I'm not wrong on this. But the last time it happened was way back in 1993. So it's been 24 years since the Bulldogs were under 500 after their third game. And we just pulled up a, a few stats to uh, give you an idea of what was happening the last time that this occurred. And uh, sports-wise, something interesting, you know, growing up, Justin, I know, is well aware of this. The uh, Phillies in 1993 doing something special on their yeah. way to an NL pen. And I remember being a kid being super excited about that. Also, both of us being Penn State fans, uh, the fall of 1993 or back in September of 93, Penn State joined the Big Ten. Yeah. So it was a, a big milestone as well. And looking can, looking at the at the pin there, uh, Mellon Bank also existed. Yeah, uh. there you go. <laughs> right. So the first game in the Big Ten for Penn State was September 4th, 1993. A stamp cost just 29 cents. Bill Clinton hadn't even been in office for a full year yet. <laughs> and uh, various other prices that people like to mention when you're looking back on past decades yeah to uh, be honest the, the price stuff just kind of depressing so <laughs> well the stamp for sure because isn't it like double that now i think it, it's about to be triple that i think <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah you know gas at a dollar 11 those say, are the days yeah, yeah. but yeah so it's been a while since wilson was one and two uh september 1993 and uh, i actually have the uh red and eagle stories from those first three games of the 93 squad they actually opened the season at home back-to-back with back-to-back losses. They were 0-2, losing to Pottsville in a shutout, which the Bulldogs hadn't been shut out in, I think, close to 30 years at that point. Then they lost to Owen J. Roberts before bouncing back with a win on the road at Boyertown, and there's your 1-2 and two start. The, the Pottsville game, the first game of the season, was actually pushed back due to a crazy... Uh, thunderstorm that rolled through and a lot of Berks County football games were postponed to Saturday and coincidentally that Saturday September 4th was the first game that Penn State played in the Big Ten so there, there's your connection for you so yeah 24 years since uh, the Bulldogs started one and two I know a lot of people ask that question there you have it hopefully I'm right I think I'm right and if I'm wrong please let me know and uh, I will correct that but hey you know these things happen but the silver lining in this story, yeah. the most important part, and why I even bring it up, is because what the 1993 team was able to do. Because if you go to my Wilson Bulldogs blog at wilsonbulldogs.blogspot.com, I kind of keep a lot of stats up there. You look at the past seasons, you'll notice the 1993 team starting 1-2 and, and actually were 2-3 and three after five games. 
Well, they just went on to uh, tie for the league championship. So one of yeah. Wilson's 30 league titles happened when they started one and two and two and three. Yeah, and I think you know that that's a key point that we don't want to skip over or take too lightly. Um, you know, because we, we had tossed it around a little bit. You know, like do what, what do we do with that question that that we got from a number of people um, early on? You know, we don't want to ignore it. At the same time, we don't want to harp too much on it because it seems like we're we're trying to drag it down. Because no, if anything else, we want to be like, look, you know, that's part of part of the story here about you know the Wilson like tradition is that even when they have you know things not go their way early on, they they kind of stick with it and they and they get the job done as they as they move on. Right. And you know, there's no reason to think that that's not going to be the case this time. You know, we we've seen it how many times. Obviously, we're hopeful that that's the case, but that that's kind of what what we need to happen here. You know, and we have I know that unrelated, like these kids weren't even born then, you know, a lot of like for a while now, those kids haven't been born that were on the team the last time that happened. But it, we talk about how many of those things come through and we see pop up in the program over and over and over again. And why can't this be one of those things too, where the adversity early on, they overcome it. And they, you know, next thing you know, you know, they're not marching through, but the, they, they hit their stride, I should say. And, you know, and, and are competing um, and, and having some more positive outcomes. And there's no reason in my mind to think that that can't happen this time as well. And the crazy thing is the 93 team, their three losses in their first five games weren't even close. No. They got housed no. by Pottsville 27 nothing at home, then lost again at Gursky. I guess it wasn't even Gursky yet. Yeah, now you're getting – I don't think it was. <laughs> I don't think it was in 93. <laughs> So they lost at home, thirty-two to six. Right now, they they beat Boyertown at twenty-eight to fourteen on the road. Then they beat Penn Manor in the Ella opener, but it was close. I think it was like thirteen to six or thirteen to seven. So two relatively close wins, two blowout losses, and then they got crushed by Hempfield to drop to two and three. They lost thirty-three to eight. And then what did they do? They got it together. They won six straight. Mm. They finished eight and three. Yes, they played eleven regular season games. And the the finale of the season, because unfortunately, with the only four teams making the playoffs, the 93 squad didn't get a chance to play in the second season. Uh, Hempfield, despite sharing the title with Wilson, ended up getting one of those spots. But the Bulldogs finished with a 60-14 to blowout of Mifflin to end yeah. the season as a co-champion of the LL League Section 1. Right. So, you know, like we said, we don't want to really harp on the negatives of that. We want to kind of point out the positives. Like, they, they were able to regroup. Um, continue to get better as the season went on. And, you know, although the season as a whole may not have gone the way they exactly thought from the beginning or would have liked from the beginning, uh, they were able to get it through. And I am sure that, that six, what did you say, 60 to 14? 60 to 14. 60 to 14 sticks with a lot of those guys. That's you know, as etched they on the Gersky right. Lynn trophy. Yeah. So, you know, this, this team still has a – this team this year, the, the 2017 team, while maybe, you know, hasn't gotten off to the start that they would like, uh, still has – plenty of opportunity um and you know like you were talking about we've seen many more positive signs than they did the last time right. the, the that, losses that were close. they could turn it around right the team didn't give up that that's the biggest thing right. so and far we talked about, about that last show right exactly because we were talking after the mifflin loss that they could have just stopped they could have seen that they were beaten they couldn't hang it was over but they fought back and they very closely they came very close to tying the game in they, the fourth quarter they, they could be three and oh 
Right. And some people and, would say they could be 0 and 3. Right. And there's a close and, victory right. versus Springfield. But you know what? They're sitting at 1 and 2, so it's time to those are in the past. You know, we we talk about this a number of times. It's Sunday night. They're moving on. Like right now oh, or yeah. earlier today, like they've Film. moved they've moved on. And so Recap Central Dolphin, get ready for Warwick. Right. So as of tomorrow, it's all Warwick. Central Dolphin's done. And that's basically what we're going to do. Exactly. (laughs) So before we do get into recapping the victory versus Springford and the loss versus Central Dolphin, let's go through our business portion of the show and just let you know how you can get more of us. Remember to follow and interact with us on Facebook.com slash Bulldog Hour, the main page where we do live game coverage is Facebook.com slash Wilson Bulldogs football on Twitter. Four of them there at Bulldog Hour, at Wilson Bulldogs, at Coach Joe Mays, and at Mr. Underscore Raffoff. On Instagram, get pictures from the games Friday night at Bulldog Hour or at Wilson Bulldogs football. And finally, you can get an archive of the show at youtube.com slash user slash Joe Mays and J show, which is Justin and my pro sports show. And that's just kind of where we upload all of our video. And uh, if you, those uh, social sites aren't the thing for you, you can go the old-fashioned old way. Send us an email, show at bulldoghour.com or joe at bulldoghour.com. Or go to just bulldoghour.com, click on contact, and fill out the form right there. We do want to thank our sponsors, May Sandwich Shop, as well as our anonymous donor. And, you know, there's been people that have reached out to us and uh, have said that they're going to support or have supported in the past, and we appreciate them thinking of us. And, you know, there's obviously a bunch of ways that you can support us. Monetarily is one of them, but that's not the only way. And we talk about it all the time. Yeah, like and share. Like and share. <laughs> Get the word out there. Facebook, Twitter. Just let people know that you enjoy the coverage and that you want more. And uh, we'll give you as much as we can uh, spare time-wise. Our next live show will be two weeks from tonight. After week five game at McCaskey, that will be Sunday, October 1st, right here on Facebook Live at 8.30 p.m. I already mentioned about supporting the show. There are sponsorship and advertising opportunities, so you know if that's something you're interested, uh, visit the contact section at bulldoghour.com. The last thing we want to do before we dive in to the game recaps is we want to start putting out an interview with someone before. Uh, for each show, we want to talk to past players, past coaches, and media members that cover uh, Wilson, Berks Football, District 3, LL, things like that. So first up, we got to talk with Bruce Badgley from EasternPAFootball.com. We just did this Friday night prior to the game against Central Dolphin, and uh, we're going to play that for you right now. Well, we're joined right now by Bruce Badgley from EasternPAFootball.com. Bruce, thanks for joining us. Hey, always a pleasure, Joe. Bulldog Hour. Always a pleasure. So, Bruce, how long have you been covering high school football? Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm going on my sixth year with Eastern PA Football. Uh, started exclusively with Mifflin, but it branched out to, you know, all of District 3 over the last probably four years now. So, uh, really love it. Love seeing all the teams. Uh, last year, I got to do three state championship games, which is probably the highlight. You know, all the District 3 title games. So, uh, it, it's an enormous amount of fun. And uh, seeing all the teams, all the people, all the coaches, all the fans, always good stuff. Do you cover any other uh, high school sports? I'm going to start basketball this year right. with Lancaster uh, LL Hoops with Andy Herr, my buddy on the uh, fresh uh, 
set of downs that we do Thursday night on Eastern PA Football yeah. uh, Twitter page. Check that out on Periscope, I believe, is the platform throughout Twitter. Uh, yeah. I was a guest uh, two weeks ago prior to the Mifflin game. Um, so how, how did you end up getting hooked up with Eastern PA Football? Did you contact them? Um, I just uh, answered an ad. You know, they were looking for reporters. Um, I had... Uh, uh, my daughters were all cheerleaders for Governor Mifflin, uh, so I didn't miss a home or away football game for 11 years. That's really how I got uh, to know District 3 football, Burks football, um, you know, playoff games, district championship games, and um, just answered an ad, uh, got started with them. Um, I had some journalism when I was in high school, editor of my high school newspaper, worked on the yearbook staff. Uh, got back into it again, and I, I really love it. I uh, really love the aspect of actually uh, helping fans out. What we're doing this year uh, that's new is we're providing instant replay to fans uh, via an app directly on their phone. So not only are we giving you know, fans that are interested in the game highlights via Twitter, but the fans at the game, we're enhancing their experience by giving them instant replay, which until this year really didn't exist for any high school football that I know of. Now, you mentioned um, starting with Mifflin Games and you got a family connection through Mifflin, but when you were younger, were you a local to this area or did yeah. you grow up outside of Pennsylvania? I'm originally from uh, Indiana. I was a basketball guy. I mean, uh, you know, it was basketball, basketball, basketball. I did play, you know, three years varsity high school football um, with some uh, pretty good competition. Some guys that I played against made the pros. Uh, Mark Herman would be one that probably everybody might be familiar with, kind of aging myself there. <laughs> but uh, did play against some of those guys. Uh, went to a lot of Notre Dame games uh, and that. So uh, was was really started to get into, uh, you know, football, you know, in my youth, but now even more so. What's your favorite part of covering high school football? Passion. Passion that everybody has for this game in the, in the state. And uh, we had Rick Perez on last night on Fresh Set of Downs, and we were talking about how, why I got away from basketball and into football. And that's because in Pennsylvania, football is where the fans' passion is, is for high school sports. In Indiana, it was basketball. So that's why I was passionate about that. Fans are passionate about football and PA. That's what I gravitated to. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, do you think there's a common misconception about scholastic media members that you'd like to correct? Anything out there that people think, well, that's not what we do? Uh, it's hard, hard work. Uh, respect everybody who covers these games, uh, from radio, newspaper, guys like us that are that really, for nothing more than it, are, are doing it for the love of the game. Um, it is hard work, but the passion that we have for this, have enormous respect for everybody that I deal with. Uh, everybody always treats me with respect. Um, not only the, the media members, but the, the administrators were kind of like a little traveling army. You know, it's a reunion every time we do a team's game because you run into the media guys from that team. And that, that's an enormous amount of fun for me. So you've been covering high school football in Pennsylvania for about six years now, or this is your sixth or seventh year doing yep. it. You've probably seen a lot of games, but which one stands out? Which is your most memorable so far? Oh, actually, the, the, the uh, 4A championship game last year when uh, Cathedral Prep came back, in the fourth quarter against uh, Imhotep uh, was a really thrilling game, um, and the fact too that you know that I got all the shots on on video there too. You know I had the, the you know um, the one thing that you kind of fear when you get into a big like game like that is that you might miss the big play. You want to share that with everybody else. 
And for me, being able to get that touchdown shot, uh, the winning long touchdown pass right into the guy's hands, and thankfully he caught the pass and ran right toward me. So I had a beautiful shot of that, and that's, yeah, for me, that was the, the best experience I've had. Who's the most dominant player you've covered so far? Um, it's a guy that's playing right now. I mean, Micah Parsons, clearly. Uh, I haven't seen anybody uh, in covering it and even watching District 3 football, um, you know, for 11 years that is more dominant, that's more transcendent, that brings more energy to a football game than Micah Parsons, clearly. What's your favorite venue to cover a game? This one here, I mean, and because it's so friendly. Um, Best press box, I think, is Reading High. Okay. Really. Yeah, Shirt. I mean, uh, Shirt Stadium. I mean, it's, you no know, place for to us. Play. Well, for us, you know, the little things like having a bathroom in the press box. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> little know. perks, right? But also, Hershey's great because we get food. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of good ones. Uh, but for nostalgia, there isn't any better place than Pottsville. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, it, it feels like you're walking back in time when you walk into that stadium. And I'd say overall, that's probably my favorite one. Cool. Uh, if there's a game you could witness that, you know, maybe it's a dream matchup, maybe it's at a dream place, what's something that you could create out of your head and say, I would love to cover this? Oh, uh, any state championship game regarding, a, you know, a Berks County team, you know, Wilson or whatever like that, I mean, you know, would be would be really awesome. I mean, that would be just such an emotional experience I couldn't even imagine. All right, last three will get a little bit more uh, local here and go with Wilson stuff. Sure. Kind of reminiscent of the questions I just asked you, but what's the most entertaining Wilson game you've covered in the last six, six seven years? Well, the, the most entertaining, I guess, for fan value, it was probably when uh, Wilson came back to beat the Jan Johnson Mifflin team here. Yep. Yeah, in overtime. I think 35, it was 35-34 uh, on the missed extra point. Yep. Um, that was probably in the games that I've been covering, probably the most memorable because you know, really, uh, Mifflin had it wrapped up, and somehow that Wilson magic, uh, you know, uh, that, that pixie dust got spread out on that field, and they won that game. What's the most exciting Bulldog player you've seen so far? Yeah, this year or, or overall? Overall. You know, I mean, it's tough. You know, Iggy's been, you know, pretty exciting. Um, I think, uh, you know, Sean Hour, the linebacker from a couple years ago, uh, in, in transferring, you know, through even to the Big 33 game, I mean, always seemed like he was the best player, you know, on the field, you know, in my book. Really talented guy. I don't go as far back as, you know, Chad Henney and those guys, so I can only talk about recent memory. Sure. All right, last thing, what, what are your thoughts on the Wilson program that you've needed? You've you known it over the last 11 years. You know, you said being Mifflin with your daughters, now covering for the last six years. What, when someone mentions Wilson football, what is, what's the first thing that comes oh, to mind? Class. I mean, a uh, class program, one that, you know, takes winning seriously. It's not only just a, a program, but it's a community. Um, and that's really what high school football is in Pennsylvania, is community. It's not just a coach. It's not just... The players, there has to be such support by the community to make it work. From the people that provide the food and the fundraising and everything else, uh, get these guys to camp. Uh, everybody's setting up before the game. Um, you know, really, really class in that career. All right, Bruce. Well, that's all we got for you. I thank you for joining us here before the game against Central Dolphin, and hopefully we have to catch up with you again soon. Make sure you follow Bruce and all the great uh, 
coverage at the Eastern PA football does, as well as replay locker. That's Bruce's baby, and he's been doing a great job with it, and it's only going to get better from here on out. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks. All right, so that was Bruce Badgley from EasternPAFootball.com. Gracious uh, enough to give us an interview, and we thank him for that. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He covers a bunch of Burks teams, gets to Mifflin and Wilson often, but I know he's seen plenty of the others as well, and he does that great replay locker feature where if you're at the game, he can give you a sheet, and you can watch the replays of the games from the stands, and he tweets them out as well. So if you're not at the game, you want to see the key plays, he's got them for you. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I think I think we've seen him at uh, the Mifflin game and the CD game. Yep, two I don't believe he was at the so Springford game. That's kind nope. of uh, he probably did more of a. I think he did a Wiser game. Okay, I want to say Wiser Wilder. played uh, Burke's Catholic, so he probably did. Okay, play yeah, that I one. think yeah. that's the one that he was at so. then. So we thank Bruce for that interview opportunity and hopefully we'll have more where that comes from in the following weeks i know we've reached out to a couple people to interview for future shows all right so a quick look at the schedule just to give everyone an idea of where we're at again the entire left side is done already yeah we're gone now two of them were scrimmages but the first three games over so now we're in the middle we're in the meat of the schedule there we got uh, Warwick coming up this week and McCaskey the following. We'll get to both of those games. Before before we do so, we got to talk about week two, which was down in Royers Ford to take on the Spring Ford Rams. Now, everyone remembers the game from last year, right, Justin? That double overtime thriller that Wilson came out on top, 41-40. to 40. So you know that the Rams, led by former Wilson assistant Chad Brubaker, were ready to go for this one. We mentioned in the preview on episode 3-4 that the Rams graduated a lot. They didn't have a lot yeah. of guys back, and it showed at times this year with a, a loss in the opener, and uh, they weren't the same team we saw a year ago. But they had a skill guy back and the quarterback back, and I always pronounce his name wrong, so I don't know if you want to give that one a shot. No, we'll just call him. Springford quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Springford TJ. quarterback. And TJ did a great job. And he did an amazing job. He was one of the best players on the field all night long. Thankfully for us, but unfortunately for him, Wilson did come out on top. The Bulldogs beat the Rams 28-21, to but it wasn't without drama. They had to uh, come back from this one. They were losing uh, at least at, in at least one instance. Uh, they were losing at halftime, mm. uh, a blocked extra point or a missed extra point. Uh, as a result, they had to go for two, and obviously they ended up getting that. They got four touchdowns on the board, all of them scored by the same player. Yeah, uh, Mr. Iggy Reynoso had himself a night, both on the ground and through the air. And uh, let's take a look at some of those statistics for you from... The week two game down at Springford. Uh, Bulldogs, Rams, first downs. Wilson ended up with 13. Springford had 17. Rushing yards. Neither team could get much going, both under 100. Wilson at 85, Springford at 65. The passing game was on fire, especially for Springford. We mentioned the Rams quarterback, TJ, TJP, we'll call him. Uh, 277 yards through the air. Now, uh, Jurg had nearly 200 as well, 193. Total yards, Wilson 278, Springford 342. The Rams kept the ball a little bit longer than Wilson did, 25-32 to Wilson's 22-28. 
Third downs, not too kind for either team. Wilson, 4 of 11. Springford, 5 of 12. Fourth downs, neither team spectacular. Wilson, 1 of 2, but Springford was 0 of 3. But both teams were perfect in the red zone at 2 of 2. And, uh, you know, if we get the, the third downs up there a little bit, those key stats, sometimes that are overlooked, um, would come out pretty good. If you're perfect in the red zone, that's always a good sign. Yeah, so, you know, looking at those statistics, you know, Wilson kind of got outmatched a little bit in, in many of the statistical categories. However, we, we joke about this sometimes. <laughs> um, not the one that counts the most, right? So they were able to find a way. You know, sometimes, like, yardage can be deceiving, oh, uh, depending yeah, on sure. where your starting position is, you know, and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I know you mentioned a couple times, and, and uh, we may see some of that in, in just a bit, but, um, you know, Iggy had some that weren't necessarily the longest yardage wise, but he ran a long way uh, right. because, um, yeah, you know, changed direction, right. Left and, and you right. know, completely surrounded and, and makes his way from one side of the field to the other. And, you know, uh, run, runs further side to side. They did, you know, to the end zone, but you know, had, had some amazing plays there. Um, so yeah, they got it done when it counted. Um, you know, I thought, you know, they played, they played well at times in the first half and in the second half, I felt like, you know, they played a little bit more consistent, even though, a little you know, bit better. They, right. There was, you know, well, they, well, you could look at it as they lost the first half per se, you know, they were down 14, 13. True. Um, even though it seemed like they were in control for like a it decent seemed, amount. Yeah. And then next thing you know, they're down 14, 13 and a well, half. Big plays. That's been right, their exactly. Achilles heel so far yes. this year. We've seen it in every game, big, yeah. big plays. And unfortunately, has been coming through the air more right. often than not. It's been a big pass play, and that just takes the uh, mo- the momentum out of the team, and it's tough to get back. Now, thankfully, they were able to do that in week two. weren't able to overcome it in week one or week three. So let's before we talk about individual players, let's take a look at the highlights from the game, the uh, key plays for the Bulldogs, and all the scoring plays that happened down in Royers Ford a uh, little over a week ago in week two of the. Uh, Wilson football season. All right, so Bulldogs at Rams, September 8, 2017. Start, Wilson started off with the ball. We got to see some big things from Andrew Weller on the drive. And then we get our first touchdown here, and you get to see what Justin talked about. Iggy ran a lot on this play, but he only actually needed, I think, seven or eight yards total. Right. He ended up getting them. <laughs> And I got a right. nice little shot of that diving touchdown. But he there. ran, he probably ran close to like 40 yards. For, you know, a seven yard, <laughs> right. a seven yard run. Yeah. Now we're going to see one of, uh, Springford quarterback TJ's attempts here that is actually picked off by Sean McAndrew, who has been, uh, one of, one of the brighter spots in the Wilson secondary. He's played rather well for the Bulldogs, uh, with a couple picks here in the early season. However, on this play, you see a bobble snap by Springford and he just picks it up and waltzes right in a broken play for a touchdown. That kind of can define the early season for the Wilson. Yes, yes. Bounces not going their way, and that was one uh, key point right there. And here, once again, we could see Iggy make a bunch of people miss on a short pass from Urig, and he does the rest with some nice blocking downfield. He will get in for the score to put Wilson back up on top. And again, I mentioned, whoops, missed extra point, wide left. So Wilson leads 13-7. to seven. The Rams would answer, as you heard Justin and I mentioned, they were down. The Bulldogs were down at half. So another, uh, looks like a little bit of blown coverage in the Wilson secondary and, uh, Springford's quarterback 
finds the guy, gets the score, kick is good. And at uh, halftime, well, Wilson is losing 14-13. to Now we're in the second half, and Wilson gets a key play from the defense. They had pinned Sanford, Springford deep, forced a fumble. And a few plays later, Iggy does the work on the ground for another short score to give the Bulldogs the lead once again. They go up 21-14 on this beautiful play-action two-point conversion. I believe that one went to Nick Johnson. Nice catch in traffic. But Springford wouldn't be done. They'd fight right back. With what else, the passing game, I uh, believe the defender actually fell down. Yeah, I think they got their feet tangled up. Feet got tangled up. and uh, At that point, behind. yeah, when that happens, you just hope they don't find the receiver, but he did. A good quarterback like that. Now, this is another one of those plays. Like, there's no way Higgy should have scored on this play, but he finds a but way. he did. Oh, my gosh. And Wilson goes up after the kick, 28-21. to 21, And that would do it. The Wilson defense would stand tall, and you'll see a couple plays here. Uh, a nice uh, play by Andrew Weller, who had himself a fine game once again after uh, being our player of the game for Mifflin. And then, uh, of course, they wanted to make it interesting in the victory <laughs> for Nate formation. I uh, actually had some issues with the snap. Oh, good. This previews are out of order. But here's a, the Magalotti sack from, uh, from, the, uh, from the game. That would be the end. There's the score. Um, so victory formation got thrown in there a little early, but they fumbled that snap. Thankfully, we recovered. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so that was interesting. Uh, that's always fun. Yeah, the, so. the, especially if if you weren't there and you were watching the highlights, the, the way the mix-up in the preview order or the highlight order would make it seem as though we lost as that fumble. As long we lost the ball, yeah. That's not how it, that no, wasn't yeah, the I, case. I, apparently, but, I didn't, I didn't no, that was arrange just, that properly. Yeah, no, that's a, not a big deal. Um, we did recover that. I think we only had to down it one more time. One more time, yeah, yeah. One more so. down, and the game was over. Wilson wins twenty-eight to twenty-one, as you saw. So let's get to individual stats and the individual accolade that we give out after every single game. So, uh, Connor Yurig, senior quarterback, eight of twenty, one hundred ninety-three yards, two touchdowns. He had eight rushes for twenty-four yards. Iggy, we mentioned his name a lot. You saw him a lot. Ten rushes for sixty-three yards and two touchdowns. Three receptions for 108 yards and two touchdowns, and most of that yardage was all him. Yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> they yeah. were all short passes, like flares or in the flat or something, right. and, and he, he was just running straight through people. <laughs> like yep. you watch both the like the the two receptions there, both of them, like they had two or three guys hitting him at once, and he just kind of brushed them off and kept running. You know, so that's. I I don't want to downplay it, but like. That's Iggy being Iggy. Yeah. Like we we've seen that a number of times, and you know it it's never not amazing. But you know, I don't want to say you come to expect it, but it's not all that surprising. Does that make sense? Like, sure, it's not that you would expect it, right? Because that's that's kind of ridiculous too. But we've seen Iggy make those types of plays a number of times, and so it was fun to get to see him make some of those, um, and and enough of those in the game so that uh, Wilson came out on top. Sophomore Abdul McFoy saw more time in the game against Springford. He rushed six times for 13 yards, and we'll hear more from him in the Central Dolphin game. Uh, excuse me, junior tight end and inside linebacker Nick Johnson had two catches for 43 yards. He also contributed six tackles and a fumble recovery. And I mentioned Andrew Weller, who was our player of the game for Mifflin, had himself one heck of a game against Springford. Defensively, he had seven and a half tackles, one for loss, and you saw that one in the highlight. And again, I mentioned Sean McAndrew, 
uh, returning the football as a senior, playing well as a wide receiver, but playing good coverage as a defensive back. He contributed five and a half tackles. One and a half of those were for a loss. Again, near the end of the game, big, big time plays. He had that interception and he also had three breakups. So before announcing our player of the game, we actually do have post-game interview. You know, after the wins, we try to grab a couple guys to talk to. And we caught up with senior quarterback Connor Urig and senior wide receiver and outside linebacker Andrew Weller. All right. Well, welcome back to the Bulldog Hour. I'm here post-game with seniors Andrew Weller and Connor Urig to talk about the Bulldog victory over Spring Ford, the first of the year. So, guys, uh, how's it feel to get that first W of the season? feels great to just get the first W, and we're just going to keep building off of it and hopefully get better every week. I'm just looking to be 1-0 every week. You know, build off, you know that, lo- that loss really fueled us at the start of the season, so you know, we're coming back with a lot of fire every week. What did you guys say to your teammates uh, this week in practice leading up to this big game here in Royersford? Uh, just the fact that, hey, like, we lost. Like, let's just, you know, get over it. I mean, it sucks, but, like, you have to just move past it, you know, learn from it, uh, and, like, fix our mistakes so we have less mistakes. Yeah, we used it as a learning tool, and I just, we all kept telling, all the seniors kept telling the guys, you got to keep the intensity up and just get better. So another another uh, nice week, you know, you didn't crumble under pressure last week. We saw a furious comeback just come up a little bit short this week. They kept bringing it, bringing it, bringing it, and you always had an answer. Um, you know, is, is there a resiliency to this team that's building up after these first two weeks? Uh, well, I think we're gaining a lot of confidence. We had a lot of new players starting in at week one. Everyone was just, you know, learning the system still. Even myself, I was nervous for the Mifflin game and this game. Like, but, you know, I've gotten some confidence, so I think it's only up from here. We lost that Mifflin game. I just, that feeling is ruining us, and we don't want that to happen again. So we're just going to want to win every it's actually been 24 years since Wilson started 0-2, and, and you guys don't have to join that party, join that club. So that has to be a great feeling. Now, you talk about nervousness now. The last two weeks, you've led the team in tackles, so you've kind of overcome those nerves, I think, to uh, really put up uh, you know, a great performance defensively. We saw we named you our player of the game last week. You had another stellar performance tonight. You know, what, what, what do you credit um, for this quick start for you? Well, I mean, the coaches are just calling my number. I'm just doing what they're telling me to do, so... I mean, it pretty much boils down to just executing. Team player. <laughs> it takes you after his brother, huh? So now, Connor, you—I mean, Andrew mentioned it, but starting a lot of young guys, a lot of underclassmen on our team. As as one of the leaders, what what uh, difficulties does that show to you? And you know, these guys that haven't been in the fire before, like you have. Well, they're still learning, and just all the seniors are trying to take them under the belt and help them get better, and just keep encouraging them that they're gonna get better every week. All right, guys, great performance from both of you. Better yet, great performance from the team getting that first W. We look forward to talking to you guys next week after the first home game versus Central Dolphin. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. All right, so we got to hear from uh, Weller and Uring after the victory over Springford. Did not get to catch up with our player of the game. He was, of course, talking to other members of the media. Yeah, he's behind a man. Up, when you could put up those kind of numbers, People want to talk to you, so I'm sure we'll talk to him at some point this year. But our week two player of the game is senior running back and outside linebacker Iggy Reynoso. Again, we mentioned it before, the individual stats, but I'll say it again. Ten rushes for 63 yards and two touchdowns, and three receptions for 108 yards and two touchdowns. He put in the work, he got the stats, and he gets the call for our player of the game after week two. 
Yeah. So it, we, we talked about the stats, but you know, some of those runs, you saw them there. We saw them there. There were moments in the, within those plays. Now I was standing five feet from the Springford coaches. <laughs> um, and yeah. What like, did they have to say about it? Um, you know, I, I think it would be what you would expect for like, how did that happen? But more coach speak, um, <laughs> you know, like, how did we not get him? You know, when, and not, you know, not one on one, but like, this isn't a surprise to anybody. Teams are keying on Iggy, you know, because they, everybody knows what he can do. You know, they'd get two or three guys, maybe four guys there, you know, when he catches the ball and it wasn't enough. Um, so, uh, that could be frustrating or so I, so I heard. So you can gather, yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So we'll put a bow on week two and move on to week three, the game that just happened two nights ago. Wilson welcoming in the Central Dolphin Rams, home opener for the Bulldogs. Central Dolphin, a familiar foe. We've played them in the regular season every year since, I believe, 2014. Also met them in the district final that year. We saw them in the district final in 2011. I know I also saw them in the district final in 2002. So a team that, while we hadn't played them often, now of late we're seeing them much more frequently and unfortunately for the Bulldogs, they had lost the last two. The regular season meeting in 2015 was a close one, I believe, 20 to 19. Then last year at uh, Speed Eversole Stadium, Wilson fell 24 to six. So the Bulldogs uh, were hoping to get back on track. Unfortunately, as we mentioned earlier, that didn't quite happen as Wilson fell at home 28 to 20 to the Rams. Uh, but another effort like week one where Wilson was down pretty big early. I think at one point it was 28 to six and the Wilson team didn't give up, fought back and actually had the ball after a stellar onside kick recovery about midway through the fourth, a little bit past that. There's about six minutes or so left. Uh, Wilson had recovered the onside, got inside the 15 yard line, but ended up turning it over on downs and Central Dolphin proceeded to run out the clock the rest of the way, but Wilson had an offensive possession with a chance to possibly tie the game with a score in the conversion. Just couldn't get it done, but it's nice to know that they're not going to give up even when they're down multiple scores. Yeah, and we, we talked about this earlier in the year when we were talking more big, or sorry, earlier in the show, when we were talking more big picture stuff about how, you know, the the year might not have gotten off to the start that that a lot of the guys would have liked. Um, that That's pretty obvious. However, um, you know, even within the games, you see them not give up. All right. And, uh, you know, you have to hope that we can extrapolate that out to the season and that this team will keep fighting and keep fighting, even when it looks like they may be down and out, that they're going to keep fighting. And, and, you know, eventually they're going to start to get some of those breakthroughs. You know, we saw it at Springford. Things went bad. They could have packed it in 14-13. And it seemed like they had played so much better. And next thing you know, you're down, and then you know they could have they could have packed it in. I know that was one point, but they could have easily just the the sense of that game. You know, they fought so hard, fought so hard, down by one and a half. You know, and they could be like, oh no, here we go again. But they didn't do that, and they overcame it. And so with Central Dolphin, they went down, and it it could have gone real bad, real quick, really right? Yeah, because you know. Central Dolphin is one of those teams, and we talk about this in the preseason shows. We talk about it when we're previewing this game, and we talk about it coming back in the back end when we're always talking about district playoff scenarios and everything. Central Dolphin is just one of those teams that is always going to 
get the job done. You you know what you're going to get. And I know that, you know, some people in the mid pen are kind of talking about some unknowns there because of, you know, younger uh, players and things. But we all know they're going to be really good come the, you know, end of October and November. And, you know, if, if you, if you kind of pack it in, it would have got gone really bad, really oh, quickly. Absolutely, and yeah. we didn't see that at all. We no. saw just the opposite. We saw Wilson, kind of rally themselves and we were wondering like you know what what are we going to see here and they did rally and they had that chance and they weren't able to capitalize in this game but those are the things that like not giving up hopefully that pays off down the road you know because giving up would not have paid off you yeah. know if, if anything else you're just checking out then but th- that fight that fight will pay off at some point you just have to keep battling keep battling and just never give in you got to always think that you're going to win. Even if in the end you don't, you have to know that you're capable of doing it. You've done it before, and it's very admirable for them to keep fighting back against Mifflin and Central Dolphin, and hopefully... They're going to get a break there. They're going to. Hopefully they get a bounce or a break their way, and things start clicking, because you can tell that it's there. they just got to right. put it together. It's just, it's just a couple things here and there. You know. Now, I know in the big picture, you could be like, oh, well, there's a lot of things. Yeah, but that's that's every game all the time. You know, you're like, oh, there's this, but you know, we messed up this. But... You know, the difference in these games have been a couple things here and there, you know, and if, uh, and it literally in, you know, uh, in some of them, it's been like a, you know, a 50 50 play that just didn't go our way or the, the ball literally bounced the wrong way or, or something, you know, it, sooner or later, some of these things are going to start uh, going our way if they keep fighting and putting themselves in good positions. Yep. Um, so, you know, let's, we'll um, see. Let's go over some of the team stats, then we'll do highlights. First downs, Wilson actually had more than Central Dolphin, 18 to 14. Rushing yards, neither team could get it going on the ground. To think about a Wilson Central Dolphin game where neither team rushed for 100 yards and combined they barely got past the century mark. That's crazy. Wilson 48, Central Dolphin 60. Passing, well, that was happening all over the field. And <laughs> believe it or not, the Bulldogs actually had more, 253 to Central Dolphin's 245. That gave totals over 300 for both teams, but very, very close, just like the ending of the game was. 301 to 305 favor the Rams. Time of possession, well, Wilson Moore first down. Makes sense that they had the ball a little bit longer. 25-15 to 22-45. Third downs, both teams very good. Wilson above 50%, 8 of 15. Central Dolphin, a stellar 8 of 12 yeah. on third down. Fourth downs, Central Dolphin perfect. One try, one success. Wilson unable to do it. O of one. Red zone. Rams perfect again. Two of two. Wilson missed out on one of their red zone opportunities. I mentioned it was the last one of the game. They were inside the fifteen yard line. Couldn't pull it out. Well, that the, was their only miss. And they the Central Dolphin, three. I believe, the fourth down conversion was fourth and one, or fourth and goal from like the one. Or yes, it was. One. It was early in the game. I believe it was yeah. their first touchdown. Actually, yeah. Uh, that, that I mean, Wilson actually had all the momentum. Well, we'll get to it when we talk about the highlights, but Wilson had the momentum. They stopped Central Dolphin. They drove down the field on a huge yeah. drive. Yeah. Then they were about to stop Central Dolphin at their own goal line and just couldn't get it. And then all of a sudden, right. the Rams got all the momentum until the fourth quarter. Right. All right. So those are the team stats. Let's check out the highlights here from the game against Central Dolphin from just a few nights ago in week three. So... Home opener at Gursky, September 15th in West Lawn. It was a beautiful start to the night, picturesque. There was actually a, a massive donation to the parents' organization from the Allstate Foundation. We thank them for that. A little appearance of a non-rain rainbow, which was awesome. 
I mentioned Wilson offense was rolling early after the defense stopped Central Dolphin. Wilson went on, I think, a 17-play, 85-yard drive, and Iggy gets the touchdown. But kicking woes once again. Extra point, no good, wide left. Wilson leads 6-0. And here we are. This is the fourth one we talked about it. Mike Wise over the top to give the Rams the eventual lead as their kicker, Van Buskirk, one of the best in the state, nailed the extra points and probably would have done so with the field goals. Bell gets the call again. Excuse me, Mike Wise gets the call again a little bit later for the Rams. They lead 14-6. to Now one of Central Dolphins' big passing plays right down the middle. They go up 21-6. to and now they're going to get to go up 28 to 6 on a tight end dump down the field, down the seam. Big play, I believe 45 yarder. And all of a sudden in the third quarter, it's 28 to 6. And you're wondering, well, are they going to give up or are they going to fight back? Well, Wilson thankfully decided to fight back. A nifty little shovel pass to the sophomore Abdul McFoy out of split back formation. And he shows his speed and gets to the end zone. Two point try though, unsuccessful here. You'll see it on a deep pass attempt. Wilson would be down 28-12, to 12, but it wasn't over. On a nice pass play to set up a touchdown here from Urig to Johnson, who rumbled and pleaded with the ref that he scored. <laughs> I actually have picture evidence that he did not score. His knee it was down. I, I had it on the camera. Uh, he was short we, at the we one. We need to delete those pictures. <laughs> After a penalty, a little swing pass to Reynoso gets the Bulldogs to within a score, 28-20 to 20 after this, two, well, apparently the two-point play didn't, uh, no, it's probably be tacked on at the end because that's the way they like to do this to me. So there's the onside kick. It's 28-20, to 20, a great onside kick. Sean McAndrew recovered it, but Wilson unable to do on fourth down what they needed to is score. Central Dolphin got the ball back. They ran out the clock. There's the final, and I'm sure right now you're going to see that two-point conversion. Oh, it'll be after the picture, too. Just add insult to injury. Oh, no, they won't show it at all. That's great. Um, so there was a two-point play in there. And uh, so that's where we are with uh, the Central Dolphin game, the highlights from that event. So not as many in there. But there were some key plays, some strong performances. Let's take a look at the individual stats from the game against the Rams. Uh, Yurig had himself a nice night, 23 of 32, 253 yards and two t- touchdowns. He also had 13 rushes for minus 7 yards, but the only reason he's in the negative is because he was sacked five times. Yeah. Iggy Reynoso on the ground, 43 yards on 12 carries, plus the one touchdown you saw. He also had seven receptions for 34 yards and a score as well. Abdul McFoy, who started to see more looks against Springford, he got much more against Central Dolphin. He had four rushes for 12 yards, but you saw the shovel pass. He also had another catch, two for 20, and the one touchdown receiving. Sean McAndrew had six catches for 35 yards. Chris Roberson got his first catches, three for 73 yards, and the two-point conversion that wasn't shown. And Nick Johnson... A steady contributor all season so far. Three catches for 61 yards, including that big one to set up the uh, the third Bulldog touchdown. He also contributed five tackles from his inside linebacker spot on defense. So we, Justin and I talked after the game. We deliberated of 
who do we think is the player of the game? It's it's it was a tough one. The, you know the the skill guys get all of the the hype, all of the ink. So we naturally were thinking of Iggy for the scores, Yurig who had 250 plus yards passing, couple touchdowns. Those are the two obvious ones. But we thought thinking back on it and the way the game went, we'd go a little bit outside of the box and award a guy that uh, has been probably one of the most consistent players for Wilson so far this year, at least in our opinion, in their first three games. And Justin, why don't you do the honors? Yeah, so our player of the game this week is uh, junior tight end and inside linebacker Nick Johnson. Uh, Joe kind of mentioned it with uh, you know consistency and, and stability. Um, you know, his, his offensive numbers, three, three receptions for 61 yards, you know, a lot of those yards came on that big play. That was a huge play at a huge time in the game. Um, really set up uh, what what looked like, well, it was an opportunity for Wilson to climb right back in it and, and make a run at the game. You know, in those five tackles, uh, he he's kind of just been been everywhere. He he's been there on big third downs. He's been, you know, it seems like he gets a lot of his receptions uh, on the, you know like third and seven, third and eight. He's getting nine, ten yards um, all season. So. Nick has been doing a great job uh, kind of being there on offense, also kind of being uh, some stability there in the, in the middle of the defense, um, and, and kind of his overall performance has uh, got him the player of the game. Yeah, so congratulations to junior tight end and inside linebacker Nick Johnson for being the Bulldog Hours player of the game for week three. All right, to wrap things up here, we are going to do quick previews of the week four and week five games of course, we've mentioned a couple th- times now, Lancaster Leather League Section 1 play starts this Friday at Gursky Stadium, where Wilson will welcome in the Warwick Warriors. The Bulldogs have a interesting history with Warwick, while this will be the 24th all-time meeting, and the Bulldogs lead 20-3. to As friend of the show Andy Herr mentions all the time, a Warwick graduate, the Warriors mm-hmm. always seem to play Wilson very, very tight yes. very strong even if they're not really that good at least record wise yeah you know, you'll see a war team that wins two three four games and will take wilson to the wire we yeah, saw it in so, 2012 and 2014 right and then 2016 right yeah 2016 that team um you know whew, that, that was a close that one a close um one. up in Lidditz, and it, it was a uh yeah i mean Warwick had the ball and was had had a hail mary attempt. You know the ball didn't make it into the end zone, but um, you know I I know talking to some of the guys from last year's team um, that were playing in the Lancaster Lebanon League like All Star game. You know the, some of the Warwick kids were saying like, "Oh man, we thought we had you." You know, and like you know our guys were like, "This is seniors who have moved on." We're like, ah, no, no. But I'm like, yeah, no, they they kind of did almost have yeah. you. Like, you know, I, I see what the kids saying. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so that one, that one had us a little worried, um, but, uh, Wilson was able to prevail as they have been, you know, the majority of the time. However, like you said, it's, it's rarely the way you would ex- expect it given the team's like overall pictures for th- those, uh, uh, seasons, you know, so not necessarily for this season, you know, because for a long time we played Warwick towards the end of the league schedule that has shifted to the beginning of the league yep. schedule now. Um, reorganization. So, right. So it's a little different because you don't have as much of those expectations built up because it's, sometimes it's really hard to compare non-league schedules. But Definitely. You you know what you're going to get. Warwick's going to play Wilson. They're going to play him tough, and Wilson has to be ready to go, or it's going to be a long night. 
Yeah, so September 23rd last year was Wilson's last victory in the series, 14-10. to 10. You heard Justin mention how close it was. Last Warwick win, well, you know, Wilson's on that 64-game league winning streak. So it's been a while since an LL team uh, has beaten the Bulldogs, let alone Warwick. But it did happen in the last season when this all took off. September 21st, 2007, Warwick beat Wilson at Gursky, 14-12. to 12. So where are the Warriors in 2017? Well, right now they sit at 2-1. and one. They, like the Bulldogs, had week, week 0 off. They had a scrimmage that week, as we're so used to. Of course, that'll be changing in just the uh, next year. But in the regular week 1, while the Bulldogs were playing Governor Mifflin, the Warriors were taking on Mannheim Central, actually hosted them in Lidditz. And it's an interesting game. The final score was 35-27 in favor of the Barons, but that was actually 35 to nothing at one point. And Warwick had a furious comeback come up just short. But there was a lot of points scored and a lot of yardage in that game. And that's kind of the theme for Warwick in 2017. They went on the road the next two weeks. In week two, they beat Garden Spot 69-42. to Yeah. And then they beat Ephrata this past week. 61 to nothing. Yeah, so, so averaging over 50 points a game three weeks into the season entering league play. Yeah. Yes, you heard not 15, 50, over, over 50, over 50 points yeah. a game. Um, whew, that's that's crazy. Uh, is, so It's hard to believe. Right, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the last two were on the road, as you mentioned. So. Right. At Garden Spot, at Effort, about to play the third road third game in road a row. So they're going to be interesting. have a number of uh, games in Lidditz the remainder of the season but with after, this high-powered offense. That could be could be interesting to see how that plays out for the year for them. After so. the way last year went, you know they want this one bad, and they right. obviously feel like they have the offense to do it. They probably think, can their defense stop our offense? And, you know, only time will tell. We'll find out Friday at Gursky. Um, you know, the Warriors, interesting because they've got so many guys back, 13 players, seven on offense, six on defense. Now, while Tremarchi graduated, they have a familiar face at quarterback. And former Wilson Bulldog Grayson Klein uh, moved there prior to the start of this year, and he's the starter there this year. Of course, they have uh, their top uh, running back and receiver returning in Carter Forney. You can't discount the big tight end, Hayden uh, Rucci. Who is getting some D1 looks, I believe, right. when I was reading the, the previews from the season. So... Yeah, the you know the talent is there, uh, and you can see that from the from the results so far this year. They're they're putting up those are some eye catching numbers. You know, For sure. it, it's one thing to be you know two and one. The loss was to Mannheim Central. No one's gonna that's, blame yeah. anybody for that. Like nope. you, that's that's a you hate to say quality loss, but Mannheim Central's always going to be there competing for the Section Two title Definitely. in LL League and a District Three title most years. So. You know, you're looking at that. That's not a big deal. And then they they just destroyed the next two teams on their schedule. So, you know, they look like they're they're ready to go. And, sure. and like you said, I'm sure those guys that are returning, um, and 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 that are in place now in in uh at Warwick are, are ready for their chance and their shot at Wilson. They think you know they have to feel like they let one slip away last year, and they they think this is the year. I, I'm obviously suggesting that I, I don't really have insight to that but you all the evidence would lead us to believe that that's what they would be kind of viewing this as no you mentioned that they're in the midst of a streak of games on the road they actually go to lebanon the week after so four of their final five games are in Lidditz. wow 
The only yeah. one on the road will be at, at Penn, Penn Manor. Manor. So they'll host Hempfield Township, which that's will be a big a one, and because they, they knocked off Township last year. Correct. Then they'll go to Penn Manor. Then they'll host Conestoga Valley before finishing with McCaskey. They get Township the week before Wilson. So Township, yeah. you know, the three teams expected to challenge for the crown entering this year were Wilson, Township, and Warwick. Right. And Township got them back to back. Yeah. So Warwick went eight and three last year. Was actually the LL Section One runner up behind the Bulldogs, and they expect to be there if not better this year. And so far, they're looking pretty strong. It should be a good one Friday night. Yeah, at come Gursky. out, come out to Gursky on Friday night. It should Definitely. be an entertaining game, and uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully, like we talked about, you know, um, you know, Wilson will keep battling and, and get some of those things shored up in practice this week, and they'll they'll be able to, uh, you know, get things in line and you know. Uh, get get a positive result we're, we're confident they keep fighting things will start going their way so hopefully we can see some of that uh come up this friday the wilson football tradition club is also honoring three past championship teams actually the first three title teams in wilson football program history from 1950 1967 and 1969 so come out and check that out as well if uh, the game is enough to entice you maybe seeing some former bulldog players and coaches return to be honored We'll do that for you. And again, that game is this Friday, September 22nd in West Lawn. All right, our final topic this evening, week five, where Wilson will head to Lancaster to take on the J.P. McCaskey Red Tornado. Now, the uh, Bulldogs and McCaskey rivalry is a fierce one. It's the 45th all-time meeting between the programs. Wilson leads it 36 wins, 7 losses, and one tie, the last meeting just last year at Gursky, where Wilson put a beating down on McCaskey, 55 to nothing. It got Wilson back on track, recovering from that loss to Central Dolphin and that near miss at Warwick. They responded perfectly and beating the Tornado. But that one's at home, this one. We got to go to McCaskey, and it's always a little bit different on that grass field. Players yep. not used to it with how many, how many turf yeah, fields there are. Yeah, not anymore. Yeah. And the last time McCaskey won in this series was actually at McCaskey, and that was on September 26, 2003. That was Chad Henney's senior year. 31 to 14, the Tornado beat the Bulldogs nearly 14 years well, ago. We were just talking the other night about, um, you know, those, those early 2000 McCaskey teams with, um, Perry Patterson, Perry Patterson yep. and man, those teams are loaded. For those of you who don't know, Perry Patterson went on to be the Syracuse, be quarterback at Syracuse. Um, they had a couple other guys too that yeah, won D1. Yeah, they had, I think they and Cedarcrest had three guys, three or four yeah, guys each. It was insane. It was insane. Um, but anyway, so you know that that's we're long removed from that. But you know, like two years ago, for example, if you go into McCaskey not ready to go. Especially, especially on the road at McCaskey, um, you're going to be in make for a fight. For it, yeah. yeah, so you know they're not off to the start that they would have liked this year. Um, but if you're not ready when you go in there and you're not going to give it your best, next thing you know, you're going to be at halftime and you're going to be in a fight till the end. Um, and you don't want to be in a spot where one play can change it because they definitely have the ability, some big play capabilities to to get on the board in a hurry. So you, you don't want to mess around, you know? Yeah. Um, so they were four and six <coughs> last year. They went two and five in the league and were tied for fifth place in LL section one. So they actually gained behind cause they were two and one in non-league last year. 
Um, the schedule wasn't so easy. When you have to go to State College, who's no. one of the probably the best teams in the state in 6A this year, yeah. uh, it's got a tough tax. They lost to uh, the uh, Little Lions 45-12. to They then went on to the road and started their um, kind of city series. They took on York, William Penn, and lost... 36 to 30 before coming to our neck of the word our neck of the woods <laughs> to beat Reading 38 to 21 first win of the season for McCaskey last week this week in week 4 they travel to Conestoga Valley so an opportunity there to see which team that teams that tend to have high flying offenses will come out on top McCaskey or CV that is week 4 for the Red Tornado not too much else to say about McCaskey. We kind of already said it that they're always a team that you can't overlook because they have immense talent uh, athletically off off the charts speed-wise. They always have guys that you're not sure how you can cover them or how you can stop them if they get into a open open field. And you mentioned 2015. It took some time for Wilson to get going. And... uh once they did, Wilson took care of business, but one of these years, it's going to be a, a tough task. So the team's got to be ready and can't overlook anyone as the season wears on. Anything else from you about McCaskey? No, you know, uh, you know, we, we are just by the matter of the show, we're looking ahead two weeks, but you know, I, I'm excited for league play. Um, but you know, this, this week at home against uh, Warwick is going to be a big one. And then, you know, um, have to quickly rebound because you go on the road to McCaskin. Like we said, you know, you never know what you're going to get and you never know what kind of performance you're going to get when you go on the road to McCaskey. Um, just a little bit of a different atmosphere. You know, like you mentioned, the grass field, which sounds ridiculous, but that probably will be the only grass game we'll play this year. Most likely. Um, so, you know, it, it's just one of those weird things. That sounds ridiculous, you know, well, playing on grass, but, you know, it's just, it's just different. Um, yeah. So... You know, hopefully, hopefully they can get things on track this week, um, and and then uh, continue to build and, and get things rolling here in the league schedule. Couple milestones of note to to state before we head out of here for this week. Inside linebackers coach Matt Bender sits at 199 wins as a Wilson football assistant. So the Bulldogs' next victory will be his 200th. So we look forward to that milestone. Hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. Of note, getting close to um, a benchmark, offensive coordinator Jeremy Palm is at 147, and defensive backs coach Brandon Naples is at 119. And the win in Week 2 at Springford was Coach Doms' 130th as head coach. He passes Wilson's Jerry Slemmer for second in program history. And I mentioned this to Coach Doms in the preseason, but he needs a 22 to pass Legendary coach John Gursky's record of 151. And maybe um, more kind of crazy to think about this number, but Coach Doms is just six wins away from 400 victories with the Wilson football program. He earned 264 as an assistant before garnering 130 currently as head coach. So six more as the head coach, which uh, still can come this season. He will get to 400 victories with Wilson. That's insane. That's a lot of That's numbers. That's a crazy number. <laughs> That's a lot of wins. 
to think about. Now, yeah. obviously, he's been, I think this is his 42nd season. Something like that. Yeah. As a Wilson football coach. Yeah. But still, you but know, again, you're averaging another crazy 10, number. <laughs> yeah, right. Close to 10 wins a season. You know, I mean, it's not quite 10, but still, you know, 42 years get to 400 just wins think, if it just happens. Think of it this way. He was coaching before some of the parents of our of the current players were born. <laughs> oh man, that's it. Well, I mean, I think has he said he's coached any grandchildren yet? I don't know, but we got to ask. Well, him. Yeah, yeah, has he? Ha- I mean, I know he's had father son. Right, like that's how it, it's oh, happening yeah. now. It's been ha- happening for years, but has he gotten into a third generation yet? I don't know. We're going to have to look. And if not, you know, maybe we can try and can like, point one that. out. You can ask him that one. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way. Joey guess... <laughs> wanted to know. <laughs> uh, all right. So what can you expect from us on game night? So we'll make sure you like the Wilson Bulldogs and Bulldog Hour fan pages on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Wilson Bulldogs and at Bulldog Hour. We give live game updates with photos and now broadcasting the game apparently on Facebook. <laughs> Um, at least the, the away games because um, Wilson Media Productions does a fine job for the home games. But whenever we're away, people are always asking how they can watch the game. And uh, I got a great assistant in Justin Burke, a former player and a coach for us out at West Middle School. When he's around, which is nearly every week when he's not scouting for the high school team, he helps me to stream the game. So we plan to do that for the rest of the season at all away contests. Uh, and obviously, after every victory, we should have um, video interviews post-game, and we'll have that on the uh, following Bulldog Hour. Again, the next live show from us will be Sunday, October 1st, Recap Weeks 4 and 5, Preview Weeks 6 and 7. Anything else, anything to say, Justin, uh, just before Just one we go? thing. I believe I saw that uh, the coaches' wives, uh, yes, their, yes, yes, yes. their fundraising efforts at the home game Over on Friday $1, night. $1,100. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's awesome. Great All job. Going, 100% of it going to hurricane relief and, you know, as, you know, every little bit uh, helps a lot. So I believe they'll be doing something at the yeah. next, probably not this, maybe not the exact same thing, but they'll be doing something. Um, so... Um, yes, they, you know, be on the lookout for that this Friday when you come out to see the Bulldogs take on, um, Warwick. Definitely the, um, Wilson football wives and are doing it in conjunction with the United Methodist committee on relief. And they are doing something at the game against Warwick this Friday. I don't know if it'll be a bake sale. It might just be donation buckets or maybe something else they come up with, but a great initiative, great job by them and thank you to everyone that donated for the bake sale and everyone that bought and donated funds for uh the first round at the home opener versus central dolphin like i said over uh, i believe over eleven hundred dollars in just a few hours so great great job by them all right i think that's everything so we hope you enjoyed this episode of the bulldog hour for justin raffoff and the wilson football program i'm joe mays and remember go go Bulldogs. bulldogs Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.